Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Ajnana Timurandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurin Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha So good morning, good morning. <laughs> and we are uh, reading about Ajamila as a proper pronunciation. And we are on text 54. Hmm. And so this is the Yamadutas uh, expressing what, is, what their understanding of dharma is. And uh, it's very interesting. It's very dharmic, <laughs> but it's not the highest, as we're going to find out. The fruit of activities a living entity, a living being performs, whether pious or impious, are the unseen cause for the fulfillment of his desires. This unseen cause is the root for the living entity's different bodies. Because of his intense desire, the living entity takes birth in a particular family and receives a body which is either like that of his mother or like that of his father. The gross and subtle bodies are created according to his desire. And we learn from um, Bhagavad Gita that, you know, we, everything, you know, everything from the, you know, the kind of mind we have to the body, to the family that we're born into, this is all based on our karma um, from activities from previous lives. So we're going up to 58 to 60. 58, yeah. 55. Since the living entity is associated with material nature, he is in an awkward position. But if in the human form of life he is taught how to associate with the Supreme Personality of Godhead or his devotees, this position can be overcome. So we're in a really rough place. It's awkward, as Prabhupada says here. But if we learn to associate with Krishna and his devotees, that can be changed. And as we're going to hear now, and then also especially in the next chapter, that it's not changed by the Vedic rituals so much because it doesn't, well, giving away the script here, but uh, the plot, but uh, it doesn't uproot the desire. It just, it's just like, you know, cutting the, uh, the lawn, cutting the weeds with the lawnmower and they, they can easily grow back up um, after it rains. 56 to 57. In the beginning, this Brahmana, so now we're hearing the story of uh, Ajamila. In the beginning, this Brahmana named Ajamila studied all the Vedic literatures. He was a reservoir of good character, good conduct, and good qualities. Firmly established in ex executing all the Vedic injunctions, he was very mild and gentle and he kept his mind and senses under control. Furthermore, he was always truthful. He knew how to chant the Vedic mantras, and he was also very pure. Ajamila was very respectful to his spiritual master, the fire god, guests, and the elderly members of his household. Indeed, he was free from all false, from false prestige. He was upright, benevolent to all living entities, and well-behaved. He would never speak nonsense or envy anyone. Once the Brahmin Ajamila, followed, following the orders of his father, went to the forest to collect fruit, flowers, and two kinds of grass, 
called Samit and Kusha. <clears throat> On the way home, he came upon a Shudra, a very lusty fourth-class man, who was shamelessly embracing and kissing a prostitute. The Sudra was smiling, singing, and enjoying as if this were proper behavior. Both the Sudra and the prostitute were drunk. The prostitute's eyes were rolling in intoxication, and her dress had become loose. Such was the condition in which Ajamila saw them. And Prabhupada relates this to our present-day situation in the world. In the purport, he says, drunkenness was sometimes manifest even in bygone ages, although it was not very frequently. In this age of Kali, however, such sin is to be seen everywhere, for people all over the world have become shameless. <clears throat> Long ago, when he saw the scene of the drunkard Sudra and the prostitute, Ajamila, who was a perfect brahmachari, was affected. Nowadays, such sin is visible in many places, and we must consider the position of a brahmachari student who sees such behavior. Then a little further down. In Kali Yuga, a drunk, half-naked woman embracing a drunk man is a very common sight, especially in the Western countries, and restraining oneself from seeing such things is very difficult. Nevertheless, if by the grace of Krishna one adheres to the regulated principles and chants the Hare Krishna mantra, Krishna will certainly protect him. So yes, it, we live in a, uh, in a difficult situation. Um, I was looking at uh, the, some statistics, and this is from 1999. So 20 years ago, it said that 68% of television shows that season contain sexual content. So I, I imagine if it's that in 1999, what is it today? It's, it's, it was likely to be higher. And, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, fish. Hare Krishna, Raj. Nice to see you there. It's almost like fish who, you know, don't even know they're in water. We're so, um, uh, it's, you know, talks about drinking and, uh, and meat eating. You know, if you're at work, someone will say what they had for dinner last night or you see what they're eating at their desk or whatever, right? It's just become so commonplace that we seem to be the odd ones out. <laughs> Whereas, you know, we have to keep in mind that that wasn't always the case. And even Prabhupada says here in the purport that it happened in bygone ages, but it was rare, right? <laughs> Whereas now it's, it's commonplace. So it's good to hear these things and remind ourselves, oh, you know, yeah, th we're not th the funny ones here. It's, 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 uh, this is, Com this is human behavior to follow, you know, the four regulated principles. It's, as Prabhupada would say, it's just bringing, uh, he says, I do that so I bring my students up to the level of being human beings. <laughs> so, it, you know, from, from other people's points of views, it's, 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 uh, what did Prabhupada say? Horrible. He once, one of his godbrothers, uh, a, a British gentleman had gone up to him and said, can you make me a Brahmana? And Prabhupada said, yes, uh, no problem. You just have to follow these four regulated principles. And the British gentleman said, impossible. <laughs> um, so it, we're, we're in a, <coughs> a difficult situation. Prabhupada talks about brahmacharis here, but 
even we know that our married couples, uh, at least on the highest level or, or on a higher level, is our Grihastha uh, uh, brahmacharis. So it's, it's a uh, challenge in this, in this day and age to do this. But Prabhupada gives the secret here, and we're going to hear a lot about it if we get to it today in the next chapter. About, uh, but if one adheres to the principles and chants Hare Krishna, Krishna will certainly protect him. So it's, it's a challenge, but it is a challenge that we can, it is a test that we can pass. Some thoughts about uh, this? Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Yes, Ananta Rupa. Interesting. Um... Uh, especially here in the purport, the last sentence says, um, you know, one should remain fixed in chanting the holy names of Lord, then there is no need, then there need be no fear. Otherwise, one's position is very dangerous, especially in Kaliyuk. And I was immediately thinking every moment we are being tested with Maya, like, these are wonderful teachings, we understand them, we take it to our heart, we want to follow it. And the next very moment we are being tested. Yeah, <laughs> and, and forgetfulness comes so easily. Also, I mean, remembrance also happens eventually, but <laughs> eventually, and we get engaged in different things. Other family members may be watching TV shows, something they might be doing, and we are around them, and we tend to get somewhat influenced too. But but now that um, as we read more and more uh, about the teachings, to have faith and to try to remember. Even it seems the remembrance also is comes with great mercy. And so Prabhupada books are really like a big blessing in our lives. They help us remember where we should teach. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So, and these two cha these chapters uh, especially remind us about the power of Krishna's holy name, which really, as Prabhupada is saying here, is kind of like our only hope. <laughs> Other thoughts? Okay, well then we can uh, we can continue. Just one second here. Okay, and we're going up to oh, just the sixty-three. Okay, the sudra, uh, his arms decorated with turmeric powder, was embracing the prostitute. When Ajamil saw her, the, the dormant, lusty desires in his heart awakened. And in illusion, he fell under their control. As far as possible, he, patient, <coughs> he patiently tried to remember the instructions of the Shastra, not even to see a woman, but, the help, but uh, with the help of his, of his knowledge and his intellect, he tried to control his lusty desires, but because of the force of Cupid within his heart, he failed to control his mind. In the same way that the sun and moon are eclipsed by a low planet, the Brahmana lost all his good sense. Taking advantage of this situation, he always thought of the prostitute, and within a short time, he took her as a servant in his house and abandoned all regulated principles of a Brahmana. Prabhupada writes about halfway down in the purport. Devotional service, which begins with chanting of the holy name of the Lord, is so powerful 
that even if one falls down from the exalted position of a brahmana through sexual indulgence, he can be saved from all calamities if he somehow or other chants the holy name of the Lord. This is the extraordinary power of the Lord's holy name. Therefore, in Bhagavad Gita, it is advised that one not forget the chanting of the holy name even for a moment. That's what uh, Ananta Rupa was just saying. Satatam kirtayantomam yutantash cha tridabrata. Uh, there are so many dangers in this material world that one may fall down from an exalted position at any time. Yet, if one keeps himself always pure and steady by chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, he will be safe without a doubt. So, I, you know, we can, if we sometimes feel material desires come feeling quite strong within us, maybe the first thing we should do is check our chanting. And how are we doing it? I just heard today that Prabhupada was once speaking to uh, Jamuna Devi. And he said to her, uh, no lists until 16 rounds are done. Because you, you ever notice how, you know, you're chanting and you remember, oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. Oh, I don't want to forget that. I don't want to forget that. And we may even keep a pen and paper next to us and jot it. But he said, no lists until you finish your 16 rounds. And if it really is important, uh, Krishna will remind us about it after we chant. And if we, or if we have a a good time management system, like uh, uh, the one that I'm familiar with, is Getting Things Done. It's a book called Getting Things Done, or GTD. You can Google it; it's all over the internet. Um, then, if you're if you have good time management like that, then you wouldn't uh, while you're chanting, you think of something and you say, "Oh, I already had that." written down someplace right um so it's it is a challenge to ward off all the variety of ways the mind our, our mind may uh get distracted from just trying to hear the holy name and be in a devotional mindset when chanting it may be that we have Maybe thinking about we have so many things to do during the day. It may be thinking about some challenge in our life. It may be thinking about how many rounds do I have left anyway? Oh my God, you know, and just kind of chanting our rounds to get them done, which is better than not chanting them, by the way. And there's numerous uh, other ways that I'm sure we all could talk about, and maybe we should for a few minutes, but the, 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 uh, I was going to say the trick, but it's not a trick. The challenge is to just think that this is my time with Krishna. This is my time with Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And he's, I'm associating with him in the Holy Name. And I have 22 other hours of the day to do whatever. Um, even one time Prabhupada was joking with Naveen Krishna Prabhu and he said, uh, um, he said, after you chant your rounds, do any damn thing. He was, you know, obviously not do anything, but you know what I mean. He was, he was emphasizing the, the need to just focus on our chanting when we're, uh, when that's what we're doing, when we're sitting and chanting. And, and, you know, in the COVID-19 scenario, in one sense, it should be easier in one sense. Um, we're not go, we're not running around as much and, uh, we, and hopefully we can still, uh, get up early in the morning 
uh, it was, it's actually kind of funny. <clears throat> I was, uh, for some, for some uh, health reasons, I, I've been, uh, well, health reasons and Maya, let's, let's be honest. I wasn't always getting up so, er so early in the morning. So uh, I was on a phone call the other day with my Guru Maharaj, and we were talking about uh, how the retreat, the VIH retreat this year will be um, virtual. It's not going to be a COVID on for obvious reasons. And I said, well, you know, that's a little bit of a challenge because you're, he's in Perth, Australia, which is exactly 12 hours difference. But I said, I said, <clears throat> I said, I'll be happy to get up at four in the morning if you start your class at four in the afternoon so I can hear. And he says, well, you, well, you get up at four in the morning every day, right? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and so now after that, I have to get up at four in the morning. <laughs> so I, I have my alarm set for four in the morning. <laughs> but, uh, you know, getting into good habits like that of, go, of going to bed early, getting up early, uh, maybe more of a challenge in COVID, um, but those morning hours are so precious. Um, and 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 e not not that it's foolproof, foolproof, but it's easier to chant attentive rounds then. And uh, I think we already we had discussed in the past. We suggested maybe devotees looking at Mahatma Prabhu's um, ap Japa Affirmations book, and I believe someone had posted the link to it in the chat in the past, maybe someone could again. It's probably Suganda. She's the Linkacharya. Um, but it's a wonderful little book to read. Also, just different things like uh, I like, I love to chant. I, I I get to chant. You know, he has these different affirmations that get us focused on chanting. <coughs> Excuse me. Any thoughts? You know, I think I I, I must. I think that the. I have to admit that the pandemic has improved my chanting somehow because it's really taken away any thought of any doing anything else, all the passionate thoughts of traveling or this or that. So, you know, I really have more time when I'm focused on it. But I also noticed that the, the morning is so important in terms of chanting and um, how, how just, how it just, it's, it, you know, like the, before dawn, it just flows so nicely and just works so perfectly. And with like, it seems like every hour of the day, if you put off your rounds, it becomes more and more difficult, you know, um, yes. to, to get them done. So it really makes me want to get up really early and really get them done. Yeah, there's nothing worse than like, you know, it's 7.30 at night and you think, oh gosh, I have four rounds of chant. <laughs> and, and, and then to try to get into a devotional mood at that time. It it's, can be done, but it's, it's a challenge. Yeah, and so uh, Sudanda has put the link. It's definitely worth the $6 for the paperback or if you use Kindle for $3. Um, definitely a worthwhile investment. But thank you for that, Henry, about... Um, about uh, getting up early and chanting our, our rounds. Yeah, other thoughts? Hare Krishna Prabhuji. Yes, Prabhu. So one, one thought I had was, um, so I listened to Satchinandan Swami Maharaj's um, um, some Japa um, sessions. And, yeah, and it's wonderful. They're really wonderful because he teaches how you can align your body, mind, and heart into chanting. And I think... Um, for me, I was very much focused on just the body and the mind and trying to fix the mind. It was impossible <laughs> to mm. fix the mind. But when he, when I heard about the heart 
and then try to engage the heart, then somehow the other two align themselves. Nice. So that was very helpful for me to, uh, to focus on the heart and chant with a prayerful mood and, uh, and then mind kind of helps sometimes. I mean, it's still, it's still a work in progress, but it's better than before though. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Yes. I don't know if that's on Amazon, but the it's living on, the book is the living name by Sachinandan Swami. Yeah, the book is there, and then also if if uh, everyone goes to SoundCloud, SoundCloud has a lot of uh, uh, sound clips by Sachinandan Maharaj explaining, and most of the things are in his book. Uh, yes, and also uh, <coughs> YouTube has a number of lectures on that. Yes, yes, I I have that book in front of my, on my altar um, where I chant. Open and I usually try to read some things. And I, yes, the part about the heart, he, he, he writes about how many of us, our spiritual heart is not doing very well. And we, you know, uh, and the book is, is so much about connect, connection, sambanda, relationship with Krishna. Yes. Matter of fact, when he signed the book for me, uh, he said the essence of this book is developed. I can't remember. I have it upstairs. But uh, something effective of uh, developing our relationship with Krishna through his name. Yeah. Thank you for that, uh, Divya and Nanpuru. Thank you. And Prabhupada said a, a good morning program starts the night before. So going to bed at a reasonable hour is, is good. And we might also consider um, that <clears throat> very soon Purushottam Mas is coming. Uh, and the scriptures talk about what a uh, powerful month it is for spiritual practices. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, so we might consider ways that we can improve, uh, increase our devotion at that time. My, my wife was talking to one of our congregation members yesterday, and she's going, not my wife, but this, this uh, woman devotee says she's going to chant 64 rounds a day for the month. That's pretty impressive. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we may not, I'm not suggesting, you know, we all uh, quit work and chant 64 rounds a day necessarily, but we can think of things that we might do kind of similar to a Kartik Prat to increase our remembrance of Krishna. Anything else? Uh, Krishna says in the, this is from Satsrup Maharaj, if you have an eight track mind, <laughs> anyone know what an eight track is? <laughs> only the old people can remember what it is but anyway if you have an eight track mind that disturbs you when you are chanting Hare Krishna the only remedy is put Krishna on all the eight tracks Krishna says it in the grit whatever the mind goes whatever wherever the mind goes you have to bring it back under control of the higher self be conscientious the Gita, not the grid. Okay, got it. <laughs> All right. So Speaking we of preparing the night before, you know, and for me it's also, you know, I prepare like where I'm gonna sit, you know, like looking at a painting and maybe put my make sure my beads are there. There's a bottle of water there, and so you know, and everything so I can just move right into chanting when I get up. Oh, that's intelligent. I like that. I, I I'm gonna try to take that up. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I was, I would often try to get my 10,000 steps done at the same time as my 16 rounds. Um, 
But now, but Satyananda Maharaj especially says that really the best way to chant is sitting in one place and focusing. So now I'm thinking, uh, maybe I'll try to listen to a lecture or something while I'm getting my 10,000 steps in, you know, with earphones on around the park here and stuff and try to sit in one place and chant. At least, I mean, at least four rounds is, what is it called? The grunt or some of that four rounds? You know, if you can at least like, okay, if you need to use the bathroom or this, that, you know, can you just do your four rounds, then do a few things and back to four rounds. And Satyananda Swami says, well, at least don't do anything else until you finish that round that you're working on right now. At least that much, don't check your phone or, you know, <laughs> go get a glass of water or whatever. At least get that round. <laughs> he said it was at a minimum. <laughs> Hare Krishna Prabhu, one, one, one thing uh, Sachinandan Maharaj said, which was really nice, like sometimes we chant while walking. Uh-huh. And in, in that case, he says that you uh, fix a goal in front of you. So if you're walking, you see a pole and you just focus on that uh, rather than here and there so that you can focus on your chanting because otherwise the mind wanders and you're looking around. So yeah, I, I thought that was really good just to... Nice. Focus on one thing ahead of you rather than 50 other things. Nice. Also, Prabhu, doesn't your Guru Maharaj... A little louder? Also, doesn't your Guru Maharaj talk about hearing just that one mantra? Yes, yes. Because you only have the present. You can't lament about rounds that you didn't chant attentively and you can't plan for rounds that you haven't chanted yet. So... Uh, we're often thinking about the future, especially when we're looking at our watch and thinking how much longer until I get my rounds done. So the nasoshati, nakangshati applied to japa of just focusing on what you're doing at the present moment. Even uh, everyone, I'm not everyone, but it's a big thing in the world today, mindfulness, right? And Buddha's being here now and focusing on the present. So we just apply that to our Krishna consciousness. And then if you apply that to being with Krishna, in his holy name. Okay, shall we move on then? Unless someone else wanted to say something? Okay. Well, I'm not someone else, but it's quite something to actually uh, try for that. This this fool chanter always laments about the rounds that uh, he just wasted. Yeah, well, what to do? Forget the past that sleeps, nor in the future dream at all. But be in times that are with thee, and progress ye shall call. Yes. And by the way, please, others, uh, I won't mention you by name, but there's others on the call who have not, don't say anything too often. I know you got, you have very deep realizations. So please feel free to go off mute at any time and speak up. No, no force, but, uh, we would be honored to hear from you. Okay, so text, we're going to the end, finish this chapter now and then move on. Thus, Ajamil began spending whatever money he had inherited from his father to satisfy the prostitute with various material presentations so that she would remain pleased with him. He gave up all his Brahminical activities to satisfy the prostitute because his intelligence was pierced by the lusty, lustful glance of the prostitute, the victimized Brahmana Ajamila engaged in sinful acts in her association. He even gave up the company of his very beautiful young wife who came from a very respectable Brahmana family. Although born of a Brahmana family, this rascal 
be wrapped up in intelligence because of the prostitutes association, earn money somehow or other, regardless of whether properly or improperly, and used to and used it to maintain the prostitute's sons and daughters. This Brahmana irresponsibly spent his long lifetime transgressing all the rules and regulations of the Holy Scripture, living extravagantly and eating food prepared by a prostitute. Therefore, he is full of sins. He is unclean and is addicted to forbidden activities. And here's just a good, uh, a good reminder of, uh, you know, that we are what we eat and therefore, um, be mindful of trying to prepare food ourselves or, you know, food prepared by devotees as far as, uh, possible. Um, because we do take on the mindset of the person who cooked, who cooks the food and the prasadam. Hopefully it's prasadam. The, this man, Ajamila, did not undergo atonement. So that, so the Yamazujas are saying he didn't, you know, if he would have taken his, uh, eraser and erased these sins by doing some prayas chitta, then okay. But he didn't undergo any atonement. Therefore, because of his sinful life, he must we must take him to the presence of Yamaraj for punishment. There, according to the extent of his sinful acts, he will be punished and thus be purified. So they, you know, they're, they're devotees. They, you know, they want him to be purified. Um, but now's not the time for him to be let off the hook. And thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the sixth canto, first chapter of Shimad Bhagavatam, entitled The History of the Life of Ajamila. Okay, so now the next chapter, Ajamila, delivered by the Vishnu Dutas. And I think we're reading text number six? Yeah. Yeah, five and six. Okay. Mm. Sukadeva Goswami said, My dear king, the servants of Lord Vishnu are always very expert in logic and arguments. After hearing the statements of the Yamadutas, they replied as follows. The Vishnu Judas said, alas, so they heard all of this, which sounded very dharmic, right? Alas, how painful it is that irreligion is being introduced into an assembly where religion should be maintained. You can imagine the, the, Yam, the Yamadudas at this point scratching their head like, wait a second, what do you mean irreligion? Because they haven't, they haven't heard yet the glories of the holy name, right? And the, about that. So, you know, we just gave you a whole pravachan, a whole lecture on religion. And they're saying, irreligion. Indeed, these, those in charge of maintaining the religious principles are needlessly punishing a sinless, are you kidding, sinless? Did you just hear what we said about it? A sinless, unpunishable, unpunishable? Look what he did. He left his nice Brahmin wife. He, he, come on. Unpunishable person. They must have been incredulous. And now he's kind of getting on their case. You know, a king or government official, which is kind of what they are, should be so well qualified that he acts as a father, maintainer, and protector of the citizens because of affection and love. He should give the citizens good advice and instructions according to the standard scriptures and should be equal to everyone. Yamaraj does this, for he is the supreme master of justice. And so do those who follow in his footsteps. However, if such persons become polluted and exhibit partiality by punishing an innocent, blameless person, where will the citizens go to take shelter? 
for their maintenance and security. So again, you could imagine, what do you mean innocent, blameless persons? And Prabhupada gives a little historical context here. It also gives us a, uh, a, some vision of what he thinks the potential of ISKCON has. He said recently, he's talking, he's talking about President, uh, ex-President Nixon. Recently, this has been proven in America where the president had to be condemned and dragged down from his post by the citizens. This is only one case, but there are many others. Because of the importance of the Krishna conscious movement, people should be Krishna conscious and should not vote for anyone who is not Krishna conscious. So that means none of us should vote in the upcoming election. <laughs> no, I'm not saying he's saying that, but the point is that Hopefully we have Krishna conscious people to vote for. Then there will be actual peace and prosperity in the state. When a Vaishnava sees mismanagement in the government, he feels great compassion in his heart and tries his best to purify the situation by spreading the Hare Krishna movement. So whatever, whatever, whoever's in charge of the government right now, if we're not real, as you can tell, I always avoid political statements in, uh, Krishna conscious discussions, but we will see mismanagement regardless of who's, which party is in charge. And therefore, a, it's good if we feel some compassion in the heart for those citizens. And how do we express that compassion? By trying to spread the Hare Krishna movement. Okay. Uh, any thoughts on that before we move on? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, So this conversation the response of the conversation earlier we heard between uh, King Rahugura and Jarbharat. King Rahugura was showing to Jarbharat as how he was disciplining and maintaining while Jarbharat revealed to him. So again, so this part of the Bhagavatam, especially in the third canto, we see the conversation where you know Shukdev Goswami is revealing that which seems right, and suddenly he turns it around completely. Mm. Just like Jalbhara just turned everything around. Here, Vishnu Dutas have turned the whole conversation around, and the other party is completely a shock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Anything else? This wasn't one of the verses we were to read, but I just noted that purport was... Yes, Prabhu. <clears throat> Apropos. Then, um, then Prabhupada's purports... As far as I can recall, this is actually the first discussion among Vaishnavas I've ever heard where uh, voting has been mentioned. And your uh, advice, you're saying devotees should vote or it doesn't matter if we vote or... Well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just saying that uh, Prabhupada is basically saying we should vote for Krishna conscious leaders. And I don't know if he's saying here exactly that you should not vote. <laughs> you could take it that way. You should not vote for anyone who is not Krishna conscious. In our case, you might choose the lesser of two evils kind of thing. You know, they may not be, you know, uh, you know, chanting 16 rounds a day, either of the candidates or any of the various candidates are up for election throughout the country. But there may be, uh, it, but, Voting is, uh, uh, it's tricky for devotees because, uh, yeah, it's, it's just tricky. I mean, we could say, yeah, we've said this before, so this isn't, 
generally, generally, people who are Democrats are more open to Krishna consciousness, generally. And people who are Republicans, generally, uh, and there's certainly some big exceptions, uh, tend to be a little bit more on the pious side, or at least supporting uh, upadharmic views, like anti-abortion or something like that. So then what are you to do? <laughs> right? It's, it's a tricky situation. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's move on. Because we were going to read specifically text six. So that was three. The mass of people follow the example. But there, you can see the Vishnu duties are kind of getting on the Amadus' cases. You're supposed to be the good guys here. You're supposed to know what's right and what's wrong. So the mass of people follow the example of a leader in society and imitate his behavior. They accept his evidence, whatever the leader accepts. People in general uh, are not very advanced in knowledge by which to discriminate between religion and irreligion, right? So they, they rely on religious people to actually be religious. The innocent, unenlightened citizen is like an ignorant animal sleeping in peace with its head on the lap of its master, faithfully believing in the master's protection. If a leader is actually kind-hearted and deserves to be the object of a living entity's faith, how can he punish or kill a foolish person who has fully surrendered in good faith and friendship? And Prabhupada writes the beginning of this purport. The Sanskrit word vishvasta gata refers to one who breaks faith or causes a breach of trust. So let that sink in a little, okay? okay. The mass of people should always feel security because of the government's protection. Therefore, how regrettable is it for the government itself to cause a breach of trust and put citizens in difficulty for political reasons? Now, isn't that so much the case today um, in, in, in the political sphere that uh, people's trust is very low? I mean, I, I don't, I'm sure if somebody can Google it, but I mean, something like the trust in the, in the Congress or something like that is like, right? It's like in the 20s or 30s, I think, percentile, something like that. It's, it's incredibly low. Um, so then Prabhupada gives an example of how, how awful, terribly awful, when politicians mess things up, what can happen? And he gives the example of the partition. We actually saw during the partition days in India that although Hindus and Muslims were living together peacefully, Manipulation by politicians suddenly arose feelings of hatred between them, and thus the Hindus and Muslims killed one another over politics. This is a sign of Kali Yuga. Okay, so let's just talk about that for a minute. Um, just, you know, just give us some idea. So there's all different kinds of estimations, um, whether it's 300,000 or up to 2 million. But anyway, up to 2 million people were uh, killed in the partition. Can you imagine that? That's like, uh, what was it like 60, just to give you an idea, if you can do the math, 60,000 Americans died in Vietnam. So up to 2 million, up to 2 million. It's, it's uh, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of us are familiar with the history. It was just incredible. And, and Muslims and Hindus, basically, Prabhupada talks about this and also 
research shows that they basically got along. But there were so many, so many, like one mistake after another. The uh, on July fifteenth, they just decided next month we're going to do the partition, even though the original thing was a ten-month plan. So they they cut it by ten months, which could have given them more time to plan it out. The borders were written by a guy named Radcliffe, who didn't know anything about Indian Indian topology or you know landscape. He and he was only he didn't know anything about it. And he was only given five weeks to draw up the partition, and of course there was also the nas na uh, nationalistic and religious rhetoric that didn't help um, at all. So just in just due to uh, some people's stupidity, a few people's stupidity, maybe a million or two million people. Who knows exactly the number? In India, we will, I always go for the higher estimate when I, because having lived there, I, I, you know, that I just figure that's probably just like these COVID numbers. Gosh, can you imagine how much higher that it probably is than it actually is being reported? But, um, just for those of us who know what India is like and village life, et cetera. So, um, Prabhupada's speaking from realization here just about how, uh, you know, he's talking about the, the, the verse is basically saying how the Yamadudas are messing up. And Prabhupada's bringing it down to more current events, how even uh, the, the British Raj, when they were trying to get out of India, how they messed things up terribly. And he doesn't stop there. Then he goes into animals. In this age, animals are kept nicely sheltered, completely confident that their masters will protect them. But unfortunately, as soon as the animals are fat, they are immediately sent for slaughter. Such cruelty is condemned by Vaishnavas like the Vishnu Dutus. Indeed, the hellish conditions already described await the sinful man responsible for such suffering. One who betrays the confidence of a living entity, who takes shelter of him in good faith, whether the living entity be a human being or an animal, is extremely sinful. So, they, so for, for us to trust somebody and that, that, that person we trusted, it turns out to not be trustworthy. It's terrible. And then Prabhupada uses a strong word, such because such betrayals are now go unpunished by the government, all of human society is terribly contaminated. Now, it doesn't that, you know, if you take a step back and see what's happening in the world, does that sentence ring true? Because such betrayals now go unpunished by the government, all of human society is terribly contaminated. So, Translating that also into our lives, most of us are leaders one way or another. If we're a parent or we're a leader in one sense, if we're, you know, a supervisor at work, if we, you know, um, give instructions to our younger devotees, uh, whatever, you know, uh, and we have to be careful to walk our talk and give real shelter and not exploitive shelter. So some thoughts on this uh, Point. I mean, there's more, there's a lot we can say about current situation, but rather than going into too much detail, I think there's one thought that came to my mind is at this point, economic development is higher priority as compared to the lives of people. If you look at today's government, it's more about economic development than the life of, of a person or an animal or a human being. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Other thoughts? 
This used to be the mentality of the, um, in, a, in a transcendental sense, the mentality of the devotees when they were first distributing Prabhupada's books and would, uh, in the name of Krishna consciousness, deceive uh, persons who they were. Yeah, and then those people who were deceived didn't appreciate the books very much. So we want to uh, distribute books on their merit as far as possible. Yes. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, Sri with all the anxiety, pandemic, and so much uh, political turbulence going on, this is perfect time f- to spread Krishna consciousness. Yeah. And do more chanting on our behalf. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Of course, I've been, I think I told you, I've been, uh, well, I was going to say free from anxiety. That would be totally uh, a lie. But free from some anxieties, because now I'm almost on my fifth week of not listening to any news. Mm. So I haven't heard anything about what's happening with the election or uh, the, I know about the fires because I, at work, I deal with those as part of my job, the fires out West, but I have no idea what's happening um, with the elections or which sports team is winning with this thing or nada. And it's really very liberating. <laughs> I think I'm going to go at least until the election is over and then see if I should just, Go until, you know, I, I mean, I think, you know, if, the, if, if World War Three broke out, one of you would tell me. <laughs> You'd be primed for jury duty, though. Yeah. Because after you know this, no, I don't know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. Uh, I saw a parody once on, uh, on um, the O.J. Simpson trial and asking all the, you know, uh, potential jurors, uh, you know, have you heard of O.J. Simpson? You know, and the guy said, no. And he said, well, where have you been the last five years? Well, I just got out of, you know, mental institution or something like that, you know. But, you know, yeah. Can I say one other thing? Yes, Andy, we're waiting for you to say something. Well, I mean, a lot of the, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but some of Prabhupada's ideas come from an old-fashioned concept, like he's thinking of kings or something as a government. But Mm -hmm. we're in like a, somewhat of a democracy right somewhat so so we have caused these leaders we have voted them in right right then when it comes to things like eating meat or having guns you're trying to take away something they already have right so it's not like you know it's grandfathered in and people resent that very much so think yeah the problem is not is not only the 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 government it's the governed uh, right. Very, right. very unruly. Very unruly. Yes, and, and and Prabhupada did, you know, maybe not as more in his room conversations. Um, he would say things, you know. Sometimes he would say democracy is demon, demon crazy, but other times he would say, but it's the, it is the way of in Kali Yuga, it's the way of government, um, and and if we ever. Yeah, you know, obviously the ideal, and that's what we see in the Bhagavatam, is to have a Raj Rishi, right? This great saintly king who is fully trained in the Shastra, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that would, and is, you know, full of Chatriya strength. And we're so far, as you're, as you're pointing out, Andy, we're so far away from that. So even if, uh, you know, um, uh, 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 
Raghunandan Prabhu becomes the president of the United States uh, on uh, November, whatever it is, 3rd or 8th, whatever the election day is, um, he's not going to be able to just like, uh, okay, so we're closing down the slaughterhouses by November 10th. And, uh, you know, he'd be, uh, talk about how quickly he'd be assassinated, right? Um, so, it, yeah, if we act, if, if devotees actually had that kind of uh, position in the world, they would obviously have to have some finesse in how to, uh, and probably what, probably, I mean, I've sometimes, you know, when I'm totally spacing, I think, well, if I was in charge, uh, it would probably have to be mainly through education, right? Down, you have my vote. Yeah. And, uh, and you could, you know, you could do even trials, you know, you could say, uh, well, this one state gives up meat eating uh, and see how that state prospers. Because Prabhupada once said that the weather, because at one time, uh, Chicago and still to a large extent, uh, Juliet, I think it's called, near Chicago, are, were the slaughterhouse capitals, at least of the north part of America. And he said if they just stopped slaughtering cows in Chicago, he said the weather would, would increase like you know, 10 degrees, something, you know, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but things would improve so much. So it would be, an, it would be a very interesting and exciting um, challenge to take up if, if, a, if a Vaishnava was a president, say, of the United States um, and what, what they would, could do to try to accomplish uh, things that please Krishna. Yeah, so, some, so sometimes Prabhupada is speaking from the from the context of the Bhagavatam, like you're saying, like you're pointing out the times uh, when, when there was, uh, you know, we hear Sukadeva Goswami speaking to a king, to Maharaj Prikshit. So thank you for that. Anything else? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes. Uh, one, one thing when we were... Do you want to be president of Yanan Prabhu? No Prabhu, I don't want to... Pays $400,000 a year, it's a good salary. <laughs> yeah. um, so... While distributing like Srimad Bhagavatam, um, I came across uh, two political leaders here in Ashburn area. Uh, one is a Democrat. He's a delegate uh, for 37 districts. So a lot of Manassas, Ashburn, Chantilly, a lot of these areas come under him. And, uh, and then one Republican who wants to, he's, he's running for left, I think deputy governor or something. So, um, and the, the person who's a Democrat, actually, he took oath on Bhagavad Gita as it is. In, um, this was in January of this year. So um, I was planning to gift him Srimad Bhagavatam, but he said because of 18 books, he didn't take all 18 books. So so we're going to gift him some few Srila Prabhupada's books, uh, even though he had like he had Bhagavad Gita. So I told him, which one do you have? I want to give you a Bhagavad Gita as it is. But he said, I already have one from my family. And uh, I looked at his picture when he was taking oath, and it was Bhagavad Gita as it is. How nice! So, um, so I, th- I, I think, and and the Republican that I talked to, not not to say that Republicans are like that or Democrats are like that, but the Republican was trying to put me into uh, like this situation. I said, "Why don't you invite all your friends from this area, and we'll do a <laughs> event, and I'll bring some people together." And and so he was thinking business. He was thinking about votes, right? Whereas this other person I was meeting with, uh, he. He seemed to be more pious. So, so I feel like 
we as devotees should find opportunities where if we meet certain people like that, we give them Srila Prabhupada books. They may or may not become a president in the future. Who knows? I mean, this is a, he's a very young person. He, he has a small, uh, uh, young, very young daughter, um, and very smart guy. So maybe one day he'll become a president. So, but at least if we give them Srila Prabhupada books, um, maybe they get influenced by it. Maybe they come to Krishna yeah. consciousness. That yeah. way. So maybe 20 years from now, 10 years from now, we may see a Vaishnava become a president of the United States. And we did have a Vaishnava, you know, in the early democratic debates. It's amazing, you know, with the name Tulsi. <laughs> you know, it's, who would have thought, right? Yeah. Uh, and even Kamala Harris is what grandfather was a Brahmana? Not a devotee necessarily, but a Brahmana. Indian, but I, I didn't know it was a Brahmin. Yeah, that's what I that's what I heard someplace. But then I also, you know, you can get into the. But in India, there's some of them were uh, saying that she said something that was more pro-Pakistan than pro-India. <laughs> you know, this is what it means. You get into the you get into this web. Whereas chanting Hare Krishna is so simple. <laughs> I, I always like to remind myself that we're very blessed to be in this country where we have the freedom to practice Krishna consciousness or any religion we want to. Yes, it's uh, and Prabhupada liked it for that purpose, for that reason. He, he appreciated America for that reason. Okay, let's carry on. Uh, text number seven, and we're going up to eleven. Okay, Ajamil had has already atoned for all his sinful actions. Indeed, he has atoned not only for sins performed in one life but for those performed in millions of lives. Now, now he's really, you know, as we would say, blowing the minds of the Yamadudas. For in a helpless condition, he chanted the holy name of Narayana. Even though he did not chant purely, he chanted without offense. And therefore, he is now pure and eligible for liberation. Text 8. The Vishnu Dudas continue. Even previously, while eating and at other times, this Ajamila would call his son, saying, My dear Narayan, please come here. Although calling the name of his son, he nevertheless uttered the four syllables Narayana. Simply by chanting the name of Narayana, in this way, he sufficiently atoned for the sinful reactions of millions of lives. The chanting of the holy name of Lord Vishnu is the best process of atonement for the theft of gold or other valuables, for a drunkard, for one who betrays a friend or relative, one who kills a brahmana, for one, uh, for one who indulges in sex with the wife of his guru or another superior. It is also the best method of atonement for one who, who murders women, the king the king or his father, for one who's, who slaughters cows, and for all other sinful men. Simply by chanting the holy name of Lord Vishnu, such sinful persons may attract the attention of the Supreme Lord who therefore considers, because this man has chanted my holy name, my duty is to give him protection. By following the Vedic ritualistic ceremonies or undergoing regular atonement, atonement, sinful men do not become as purified as by chanting once the holy name of Lord Hari. Although ritualistic atonement may free one from sinful reactions, it does not awaken devotional service. Unlike the chanting of the Lord's names, which reminds one of the Lord's fame, qualities, attributes, pastimes, and paraphernalia. Um, and before I go on, I wanted to read something about 
from text number 10. I can find it real quickly. Oops, where is it? Oops, I'm sorry, I'm going the wrong way. Okay, so this is, um, well, okay, one thing I noticed in text number 10 is that if you look at the, some of the translation, uh, Prabhupada's translation, um, <clears throat> he doesn't totally translate it literally in a linear way. And specifically, this sentence in text number 10, uh, let me just uh, pull that up here, text number 10. Yes, the, the last part. It's in quotations. Maybe that's why it's not literal. Uh, he's getting it from Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's uh, commentary, in, in, you know, where he says, uh, because this man has chanted my holy name, my duty is to give him protection. So isn't that, isn't that just wonderful? He's quoting from Vishwanath Chakravarti who's quoting from Sridhar Swami. Um, but Prabhupada's adding this very sweet point. Because this man has chanted my holy name, my duty is to give him protection. <clears throat> and in his commentary, Vishnu goes on a little later, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, uh, the name of the Lord may destroy sins, but how can, the question might be asked, but how can Namabas be the atonement for thousands of grave sins that cannot be destroyed by Thousands of 12-year vows. And he answers it. So Namabas is, you know, the, <clears throat> the clearing stage of chanting. There's the Namaparad, the offensive stage. There's uh, Shudhanam, the pure stage. And there's Namabas, the kind of middle stage. So how can just by Namabas atone for thousands of sin, lifetimes of sin, when, when all kinds of really difficult prayaschitta, you know, atonement can't do that? And then he answers, chanting is the best atonement. This is from the verse Sunish Kritam, since it destroys the root of sin. A 12-year vow of atonement, although it destroys the effects of sins, cannot destroy the root of sin. But the destruction of sin at the root is not the only result of chanting the Lord's names. Another result is that the Lord's mind dwells on the chanter. That's the point Prabhupada translated. The Lord thinks, this person belongs to me. I will always protect him. And that that's quite sweet. And now in text 11, which was for the reading. Um, so again, the similar point. He, Prabhupada writes, there are 20 types of religious scriptures called Dharma Shastras, beginning with the Manu Sanghita and Parashara Sanghita. But herein it is stressed that although one, one may become free from the reactions of the most sinful activities by following the religious principles of these scriptures, this cannot promote a sinful man to the stage of loving, of loving service to the Lord. And then a little later, what cannot be achieved through the performance of Vedic rituals can be easily achieved through the chanting of the Lord's holy name. To chant the holy name and dance in ecstasy is so easy and sublime that one can achieve all the benefits of spiritual life simply by following this process. So we, we, we have to be a little mindful, Prabhupada will call the Manu Sanghita sometimes the law book for mankind. And if you just hear that, you might think, wow, the law book for mankind, that must be like the book, right? If you say, if someone generally, if we think like that, right? 
uh, it sounds like it is the book to read, but here it's going into much more context, right? That the law book for mankind, but it doesn't, you know, for your average society, but for a Vaishnava society, it's uh, nothing compared. Well, we don't want to belittle what Swayambhuvamana has written. He's a great devotee. Um, but it's not presenting the higher understandings and the higher process even to get free from our reactions to our life, our, our activities. So this is reminiscent of the first and second chapters of the Bhagavad Gita, where Arjuna is also speaking from the, like the Yamadutas, from the Dharma Shastra point of view. And the, uh, yeah. And then Krishna, you know, says, Kutas tvam kashmalamidam, where how have these impurities come upon you? Uh, right? So the Dharma Shastras are there and they're significant, but they're, are easily trumped, and forgive that expression, by bhakti and the power of love. So some thoughts on that? Yes, Raghunan Prabhu. Um, it's a good point that you make about uh, Arjuna and Krishna having a con similar conversation in Bhagavad Gita. Because some, many a times, like we come across situations where people talk from the moral points of view, and uh, almost it's like a materialistic point of view rather than the spiritual point of view. And what the Vishnu Dutas are talking about, and what Krishna is talking about in Bhagavad Gita, is like uplifting our consciousness to look at things from that higher spiritual conception of life rather than just on a materialistic conception of life. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I mean, a devotee will act according to a lot of the points in such shastras, like, you know, sama, dhamma, tapa, socham. You read in the uh, 18th chapter of the Gita about, the, you know, truthful, uh, control the senses, control the mind. But the devotee also knows that I can't control my mind and senses without Krishna's help. So they're focusing on Krishna's help more than the mechanical way of the sama and dhamma. And their tapa, their austerities, um, will be for Krishna's pleasure. And they're, even their socham, keeping things neat and clean, they'll do that in a, as, as an act of devotion. So it's like Brahman, Vaishnava is like Brahman plus, <laughs> plus Krishna. Yes. Other thoughts? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, So from the purport, I really like this line um, where it says the chanting of the holy name of the Lord even once not only frees one immediately from the reaction of the greatest sins, but also raises one to the platform of rendering loving service to Supreme Personality of Godhead. Mm. So, um, I mean, the more we read about chanting of the holy names, it seems like they're so super potent. I mean, this whole pastime is about the glories. Yes. There are all different um, pastimes in different, uh, you know, in Chaitanya-Chaitamit, Bhagavatam, uh, Bhagavad Gita. But here, especially in this section, the Ajamil's pastime, uh, how, you know, it gives a pretty good understanding that just atonement is not enough. It's very important to engage in the loving devotional service. And and we have already learned that nine process devotional service and the five potent forms too. And chanting yes. seems okay. like 
can be done easily anywhere and there is like infinite room of improvement yeah. very good thank you anyone else mata ji just made me think that uh, how krishna says in the gita janma karma termedivyam this um this whole uh thing that any vaishnava we have to learn to treasure the 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 specialness of krishna his form his pastimes anything connected with him it it like she was saying is so super potent um, yes that's the purport of this especially this chapter yeah And Subanda has quoted from the Anchalila this Chaitanya Charitamrita chapter 4 of the nine processes of devotional service the most important is to always chant the holy name of the lord if one does so avoiding the 10 offense kinds of offenses one very easily obtains the most valuable love of godhead i think i told you that story that Purijan Prabhu was traveling with Prabhupad and before he went on the plane with him uh i think it was from fiji to australia or australia to fiji he asked the devotees what do you do when you're traveling with papa tell me you know what's the secret and the devotee said just always chant always chant and so that's what he did he was always chanting he was every bhajan he remembered he was chanting that and even one time the person from the seat before the behind him kicked and said could you stop that chanting so loud and at when the when the plane arrived prabhupada turned to pradumna and said pradumna you should get you should take up this uh habit that burijan has of always chanting it's very nice so okay so that was so we're up to uh verse number 12 the ritualistic ceremony of the atonement recommended in the religious scriptures are insufficient to cleanse the heart absolutely because after atonement one's mind again runs towards material uh, activities consequently for one who wants liberation from the fruit of reactions of material activities the chanting of the hare krishna mantra or glorification of the name for a fame and pastimes of the lord is recommended as the most potent perfect process of atonement because such chanting eradicates the dirt from one's heart completely and i just thought i would read um it is a small point that vishnuv chakravarti takur makes about this this purport um that in order to uh attain the full results from this process he writes for persons desiring complete destruction of karma constant chanting of the name and qualities after hearing them from another is the real purification of one's existence because such constant chanting destroys all material desires and why is that and this is interesting i find because the holy name destroys the vasana the mental impressions that form our conditioning or the root of our beliefs and desires isn't that if somebody um so vasana i guess means mental impressions if you can find it in polio another time that the word is used and see how papa translates it that would be nice but because the holy name destroys the vasana the mental impressions that form our conditioning or the root of our beliefs and desires powerful anyone finds that just uh, go off mute and say otherwise we'll continue up to 
16. How is it spelled? What's that? How is it spelled, please? Uh, V-A-S-A-N-A. Thank you. Isn't that equivalent to like the subconscious mind? I think, if I talking think about these impressions. Yeah, or the chitta is another word in Sanskrit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think so, but I just wanted to see if uh, we can get some more information about it. You know, or someone could even Google it for that matter, you know. Um, the A, the first and last A are long, but that doesn't matter. Google doesn't know that. <laughs> okay, so meantime, uh, I'll read a few more verses till we get up to 16. So that was 12, so 13. At the time of death, this Ajamila helplessly and very loudly chanted the holy name of the Lord, Narayana. That chanting alone has already freed him from the reactions of all sinful life. Therefore, O servants of Yamaraj, do not try to take him to your master for punishment in hellish conditions. One who chants the holy name of the Lord is immediately freed from the reactions of unlimited sins, even if he chants indirectly to indicate something else, jokingly for musical entertainment or even neglectfully. This is accepted by all the learned scholars of the scriptures. If one chants the holy name of Hri and then dies because of an accidental misfortune, such as falling from the top of a house, slipping and suffering broken bones while traveling on the road, being bitten by a serpent, being afflicted with pains and high fever, or being injured by a weapon, one is immediately absolved from having to enter hellish life, even though he is sinful. Uh, any luck on Vasana? Oh, here we go. Let's see what's in the, in the chat. Uh, Divyanan did a Wikipedia link. Uh, Sanskrit for behavioral tendency or karmic imprint, which influences the present behavior of a person. Yeah, very similar, right? Very good. And then there's a whole description, but that's enough. Oh, let's see what it says under Vaishnavism. Similar to when we talk about some scars? Yeah, but it's similar. It seems that there's some connection. Srimad Bhagavatam 5.11.5, uh, a principal text for the Vaishnava tradition of Sanatana Dharma, employs the term vasana. Um, the satisfactory English rendition has not yet been sourced. Well, Prabhupada, let someone look up 5.11.5? Or did you already put that in the chat? No. Uh, Raghunandan says, uh, or writes, this is from a lecture in Hyderabad, and he and he has to, they have to take birth again to fulfill their, the plan, basana. Oh, very interesting. This is called basana. Uh, sorry, oops. So when she added something, I lost my spot. Uh, this, so we have to purify the basana, desire. That is required. If we don't purify, then we have to take birth, birth and death, repet, repetition of birth and death. So that desire, how can it be purified? And then Suganda puts in 511, Five, because the mind is absorbed in desires, that might be vasana, for pious and impious activities, it is naturally subjected to the transformations of lust and anger. In this way, it becomes attracted to material sense enjoyment. In other words, the mind is conducted by the modes of goodness, passion, and ignorance. There are 11 senses and five material elements. And out of these 16 elements, the mind is the chief. Therefore, the mind brings about birth in different types of bodies among demigods, human beings, animals, and birds, when the mind is situated in a higher or lower position, it accepts a higher or lower material body. And uh, could you check the word for word, uh, Suganda, and 
see what the if he does a translation for the word basana if it's there and and then and then Raghunandan does another quote about basana being desire means desire so that the material desire and here it says endowed with many desires very good so we have a you guys are great researchers we uh, have that so we want to and so uh, I was quoting Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur who says because the holy name destroys the vasana, the mental impressions that form our conditioning or the root of our beliefs and desires. Very good. Not, not that vasana is very good, but <laughs> the holy name is very good. Okay, so we'll continue with our reading. Uh, we're on 16. Authorities who are learned scholars and sages have carefully ascertained that one should atone for the heaviest sins by undergoing a heavy process of atonement I want you to atone for the lighter sins by undergoing lighter atonement. Chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, however, vanquishes all the effects of sinful activities, regardless of whether they are heavy or light. And this is interesting. Prabhupada writes, I mean, where, you know, you, you might wonder, he's quoting Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, but why bring up Samba and Duryodhan? Okay, in this regards, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur describes the incident that took place when Samba was rescued from the punishment of the Kauravas. Samba fell in love with the daughter of Duryodhana, and since according to Chatriya customs, one is not, a, uh, one is not offered a Chatriya's daughter unless he displays his chivalrous val valor. Samba, uh, so to do that, Samba abducted, abducted her. Consequently, Samba was arrested by the Kauravas. Later, when Lord Balaram came to rescue him, there was an argument about Samba's release. Since the argument was not settled, Balaram showed his power in such a way that all of Hastinapur trembled and would have been vanquished as if by a great earthquake. Then the matter was settled and Samba married Duryodhana's daughter. And here's the purport. The purport is that one should take shelter of Krishna Balaram, the supreme personality of Godhead, whose protective power is so great that it cannot be equaled in the material world. However powerful the, rea the reactions of one's sins, they will immediately be vanquished if one chants the name of Hari, Krishna, Balaram, or Narayana. So one thing about so one thing about debating. So this was called argumentum ad baculum, which means the argument of the stick. So he tried to have like a regular debate or a regular, you know, let's work this out. And and then Lord Balaram just said, you know, what do you, you want me to just, uh, you know? cause unlimited problems for you or do you want to accept this so i just thought that was kind of interesting from from uh that point of view and then um if i can find it quickly so that's why he brings uh, so yeah so vishwanath chakravarti Thakur, you know he says how can the gravest of sins be destroyed with a single namabas utterance of the holy name when various atonements are prescribed depending on the weight of each sinful act, right? So there's this whole science, right? Of you did this, okay, you got to do that. You did this, you got to do that. So then you just pick up your beads and you chant namabas, not even shoot a nam, and you don't have to do any of that? He replies, because the prescribed atonements have limited power, so the atonements themselves are limited, they are, because of that, they're weighted to fit the sin. However, heaps of serious sins are destroyed by chanting even a portion of the holy name only once. 
since a holy name has inconceivable great power. The name's power to destroy sin is like Balaam, and here's the analogy. The name's power to destroy sin is like Balaam's ability to alone destroy Duryodhana and all the Koravas in order to save Samba. <laughs> it's also interesting that elsewhere he mentions that uh, they were they were ready to give back. They were ready, ready to release Samba. They actually thought he 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 was a worthy candidate, but they wanted to get Balaram's association and see his and get angry. <laughs> and then they could surrender to him. So, any uh, some thoughts on this about the power of the holy name? Hare Krishna Prabhu, as in the last few verses. It's been identified that one should not use the holy name to commit sins. No, of course not. Yes. So that is a very important point. Sometimes people say, oh, I've got so much power in my hand, <laughs> so I can do whatever nonsense I want, and then I can just chant the holy name. That would not be effective. Yeah, and the reason it's not effective is interesting. And the reason it's not effective is you're trying to... It's, it's, it shows an insincerity. It shows a, um, a, a crooked mindset. And uh, using Krishna's name like you would use a, um, what is that, a doormat, right? Before you walk in your house, you wipe your feet off on the doormat. So trying to use the holy name for that purpose. And so for us, and as we're going to hear, maybe not, not today probably because time is running out, but um, that's not why devotees, devotees seeking Krishna Prema, you know, um, why they chant, they don't it's it's a it's a byproduct it's like oh okay whatever you know um in modern parlance the the real thing is that it that that point that vishnu chakravarti it, it attracts krishna and it and and it gives us the association of krishna and that's what devotees really like about it and the, you know the sin thing okay well you know that's nice <laughs> but a devotee's not really so concerned about their own Reactions to sins there, you know, Narayana Parasarve Nakutas Chandya Vidyati Swarga Aparvarga Narakeshu Apitulyata Darshanam. Right? So it doesn't care, Nara, you know, this this reaction, that reaction, going to hell, going to heaven, they just want to be with Krishna. We do, and hopefully we, we're, we're aspiring at least for that, that kind of desire. Other thoughts? Okay, well, let's see. We're going up to 27. So we'll, we'll keep reading some and see if you have any, you know, just interrupt me if you have any thoughts. Although one may neutralize the reactions of sinful life through austerity, charity, vows, and other such methods, these pious, and that's, what, that's all Prayas Chita does, right? It neutralizes. These pious activities cannot uproot, and this, of course, we understand is the main point, cannot uproot the material desires in the heart. However, if one serves the lotus feet of the personality of Godhead, he is immediately freed from all such contamination. So you're just, you're just like plugging the plug into the wall. You're connecting with who you are, Krishna's servant. So it's got, it, it's, it's, it takes on a whole different uh, way of seeing the world because we're, we're connecting with who we are. As a fire burns dry grass to ashes, so here's the example, so the holy name of the Lord, whether chanted knowingly or unknowingly, burns to ashes without fail all the reactions of one's sinful activities. 
And Prabhupada gives this simple example that fire will act regardless of whether handled by an innocent child or someone well aware of its power. Text 19, if a person unaware of the effective potency of a certain medicine takes that medicine or is forced to take it, it will act even without his knowledge because its potency does not depend on the patient's understanding. Similarly, even though one does not know the value of chanting the holy name of the Lord, if one chants knowingly or unknowingly, the chanting will be effective. Sukadeva Swami continues, My dear king, having thus perfectly judged, so that was the Vishnu Dutas, and now Sukadeva, having thus perfectly judged the principles of devotional service with reasoning, and arguments. The order carriers of Lord Vishnu released the Pramana Ajamila from the bondage of the Yamadutas and saved him from imminent death. My dear King Parikshit, O subduer of all enemies, after the servants of Yamaraj had been answered by the order carriers of Lord Vishnu, they went to Yamaraj and explained to him everything that had happened. Having been released from the nooses of Yamaraj's servants, the Brahmana Ajamila, now free from fear, came to his senses and immediately offered obeisances to the Vishnu Dutas by bowing his head at their lotus feet. He was extremely pleased, you could imagine, right, by their presence, for he had seen them save his life from the hands of the servants of Yamaraj. O sinless Maharaj Brikshit, the order carriers of the Supreme Personality of God, the Vishnu Dutas saw that Ajamila was attempting to say something, and thus they suddenly disappeared from his presence. After hearing the discourses between the Yamadutas and Vishnudutas, Ajamila could understand the religious principles that act under the three modes of material nature. These principles are mentioned in the three Vedas. He could also understand the transcendental religious principles, which are above the modes of material nature, and which concern the relationship between the living entity and the Supreme Personality of God. Furthermore, Ajamila heard glorification of the name, fame, qualities, and pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He thus became a perfectly pure devotee. He could then remember his past sinful activities, which he greatly regretted having performed. So in the next four verses, we hear different aspects of Ajamila's uh, um, remorse, regret. So uh, I think I'll just read those four and then we'll call, we won't read, we won't go into the purport to 27. We'll do that starting the next class. But let's just hear about these four regrets. So the first one, Ajamila said, Alas, being a servant of, the sen of my senses, how degraded I became. So he's lamenting being a servant of his senses. I fell down from my position as a duly qualified Brahmin and begot children in the womb of prostitutes. That was his first lamentation. Second, alas, 27. All condemnation upon me. I acted so sinfully that I degraded my family tradition. Indeed, I gave up my chaste and beautiful young wife to have sexual intercourse with a fallen prostitute accustomed to drinking wine. All condemnation unto me. So, so the new one here is he, he, he offended his beautiful and chaste young wife. Then about his parents. My father and mother were old and had no other son or friend to look after them because I did not take care of them. They lived with great difficulty. Alas, like an abominable lower-class man, I ungratefully left them in that condition. Okay, well, that was actually is up to 28. So that's his lamentation. And now we will, and in the 20, verse, uh, purport to 27, we'll hear about how that lamentation 
when done properly, can be very helpful for our spiritual life. So one minute left. Any last words of wisdom? One thought I had, not, not really a wisdom, but um, so in case of Ajamel, like if you compare this with Dhruv Maharaj, Dhruv Maharaj being a great devotee of the Lord, but when his when the Yamra, the death came at that same time, he went into onto, onto the airplane and he went to uh, Vaikuntha. But whereas Ajamil, as if the death came, but he got a chance to live more. Yeah. So that is interesting. That how is it that he? I I was thinking it should have been okay. Death came. Okay, Yamdutas cannot take him, but Vishnudutas will take him to his next destination. But instead, they gave him. They gave him his body back. He stayed in his body. Yeah. I don't know if there's something said about that um, by any of the acharyas. Like, I'll see if I come upon anything next week because that will start getting to that. You know, he goes to Haridwar, right, and performs bhakti there. Yeah. So that was that was before COVID. (laughs) He wasn't at that moment uh, qualified or ready to go back to Godhead. That's true. That might and that might be the the. Part of the explanation, yeah, that says that, yeah, that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't pure yet, um, or he had more progress to make. I think is would be the best way to say it because the purity came from the chanting. Okay, so let, I'll think about that. It's a good question, Divya Anandam. So uh, we will uh, see you next. Gosh, we're on the second chapter. There's only 19. We're getting very close to the end of the Bhakti by Baba. Quite amazing. So we'll see you all next week and thank you so much for attending and uh, hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.